0: Please be seated. Let us pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word proclaimed. Speak to our hearts so that we may speak to your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Every time I go into my wife's fourth grade classroom, I am just blown away at the differences between the way school is now and the way school was when I was a kid. First of all, you walk in there and there's all kinds of different seatings. There, there's big stools for the kids to sit on that are nice and high. There are some that have like these straps where they can bounce their feet when they get, when they get um, I guess, a little wiggly. There are some that, that rock back and forth. There are wobble seats that, that they can move around in. Some of them are like yoga balls that they can just sort of bounce on. When I was in school, there were desks. In a row, and that's where you sat, wherever the teacher told you to, every single week. On my wife's walls, there's all kinds of neat things. Like, it's not just like old posters that somebody just found at a teacher store somewhere. All the things on her walls are, are active and actually teach. So if she didn't say a word, she could just send kids to the wall and they could learn there. And then, there's the differences in how children are disciplined. If you can call it that these days. Because see, if you're bad, you might, probably not though, because this is a little harsh, get sent to time out. Probably not. More than likely, the teacher will talk to you. And then if it keeps going on, the teacher may bring you aside and talk to you again. Again. And then perhaps send an email or or call a parent so they can talk to you. And if it gets really bad, they'll send you to the office, and then the principal will talk to you. And, And then if it's really, really bad, yeah, you still might get suspended or maybe even expelled. Now, when I was a kid, it wasn't like that. If you got in trouble, the teacher would yell at you. And then if you kept it going, the teacher would hit you. Well, not with a fist, but with something handy. And then if it kept going on, she'd probably hit you again. Uh, and then if it really kept going on, you'd go to the principal's office and they would hit you. And then you would, they would call your parents who chances are they'd probably hit you too. <laughs> Folks, I got hit a lot when I was a kid. But the reason I tell you this is to say that there was one form of punishment that was not exactly being hit. But very different than the way it is now in fact might have gotten a teacher arrested see i was a little bit talkative when i was in school because i was add when they spelled it bad you know and so i was known as motor mouth Mims. this was not a nickname that my friends gave me the teachers called me that again something they typically don't do these days But one of the most effective ways to keep me from talking, and folks, I talked to everybody. I would talk to my friends. I would talk to the teachers. I would talk to the classroom pet. And yes, I would talk to the plant in the corner. Talk to everybody. But they figured out a way to stop me. All they needed to do was break out some tape. And they would tape my mouth shut. I know. Can you imagine what Facebook would light up with if they caught that these days? Oh, my goodness. Admittedly, though, it did work, and I was quiet the rest of class, um, and they would let me take it off eventually, you know, for lunch and recess, but that's what they would do. They would take my mouth shut to keep me quiet. Don't you wish you could do that to me now? <laughs> because now I'm paid to talk, Folks. That's what happens when you get in trouble in elementary school and in middle school and high school and college and even a little bit in seminary. Eventually, God calls you to something where you get to use your gifts. And here we are. And on this Independence Day, where we celebrate the freedoms, we, we start off with the First Amendment, which came around in 1791, that not only offers the freedom of religion, which gathers us all here today, but also the freedom of speech, Which allows me to say whatever I want to say without any repercussions, at least from the government. Well, that's not entirely true. See, if I were to tell you who to vote for from here or really from here, then there could be repercussions. So that freedom's a little off, but let's be honest. I can still say whatever I want, and the National Guard is not going to show up at the church doorstep and take me away, right? But does that mean that I am completely free to say whatever I want to say? No. No. You know why? Because you're the ones that have to listen to it. And I can be free to speak all I want. But people have to listen. And see, because communication is a two-way street, right? And so there are certain things that I can't say. There are certain words that I can't say, Right? Not in Keep My Job. Most of them only have four letters. One that I've gotten in trouble with a couple times has five. S-T-U-P-I-D. That's six. So apparently it it applies. Um, Gotten in trouble twice for saying that one out loud. But there are certain things that you don't want to hear your preacher say. But not only that... How your mama always told you not to talk about politics or religion, clearly I'm going to talk about religion. But when things start to get a little political, we oh, stand back, right? Even if there is a perception that I'm getting political, I go from preaching to meddling, right? Well, if you don't agree with me. I mean, if you do agree with me, you're more than happy to hear what I have to say. But if you don't like it, people start getting offended. But you know what? I'm in pretty good company. Because Jesus sort of had a problem with communication in our gospel reading this morning. He's actually in his hometown and he's teaching in the synagogues. And what is their immediate response? Who does this guy think he is? I mean, he's gotten a little too big for his britches, don't you think? I mean, we remember him when he was this high, we know his mama. We know his brothers and his sisters. And here he is telling us about God. I don't know where this guy gets off. And so here Jesus is. Now Jesus has made quite a name for himself at this point in time. He's done some amazing things. And word has gotten out. And I'm sure that people in in Nazareth were like, yep, there goes Jesus. He's one of ours. We're so proud of him. Until he comes home and starts telling them about God and about how they're supposed to be living. And when you start stepping on toes, well, that's when he goes from preaching to meddling. And they're offended. They don't want to hear from him anymore. So much so that he can't even do any deeds of power there except for, you know, heal a few people. Now realize that to this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus has done some amazing things already. I mean, just in the last few weeks, we've been hearing about it. Uh, you know, he he cured some sick and he cast out some demons and then his disciples went on a little boat ride and and the storm started growing up and they said, Jesus, don't you care we're dying and Jesus calmed the storm. Then he cast out a demon that nobody else could get rid of and put him into some swine and they they ran off a cliff and then he comes back over to the other side and you heard about it last week where he cured a woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years and raised a little girl from the dead jesus could do some amazing things but here in his own hometown he's basically deemed powerless because they really didn't want to hear what he had to say so what about jesus in our hometown do we deem him powerless as well do we want to hear what he really has to say do the people around us want to hear what he has to say because let's be honest, we are all about sweet, cuddly Jesus who, who you know, was born in a manger and, and, you know, in his nice fleece diaper and, you know. And we also love the Jesus that died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead. We love that Jesus. Jesus loves us. But what about that Jesus that says, you know what, that way that you voted in November may not be exactly in par with what I say. Or, that thing that, that, that you think is so right might not be all that right. Or the way that you're living in life really doesn't match up with the way that I teach things to be. Do we like that Jesus? When that Jesus is challenging us and telling us to live differently, do we want to hear what that Jesus has to say? Do they want to hear what Jesus has to say? His hometown didn't. And so what does he do? See, this is where it gets really interesting. Because I think the the reaction that most people would expect is that Jesus would say, have it your way, I'm out. And go on to the next place. But that's not exactly what he did. See, this is an interesting passage because really there are two sermons that can be preached. I mean, because it's like two paragraphs and both of them have great stories in them. And I couldn't really figure out why in the world the lectionary people would put two great passages together and make it on one Sunday until I realized how they're connected. You see, Jesus could not do deeds of power in his hometown. But instead of washing his hands of them, he sent his disciples out to do it. Because if they wouldn't listen to him, maybe they would listen to them. And so how did he send them out? Sent them out two by two and, and told them, when you go, only take a staff with you. Nothing else. Don't take any bread. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. Don't, don't take a change of shoes, you know. Leave your nice pumps at home. Uh, don't, don't bring extra clothes, you know. So try not to get any on when you eat. And when, you, and when you go to stay at somebody's house, don't shop around for a better place to stay. Wherever you end up, you stay there until it's time to go. And some of the people are going to welcome you, and some of the people are going to reject you. And so they went out, and they did exactly what Jesus had told them to do. And they were able to cure the sick. They were able to cast out demons. That's amazing, isn't it? That when Jesus couldn't, he sent his disciples To do just that. And in order to do it, however, they had to realize something really quick. That they couldn't do it themselves. And that's why he said, hey, when you go, only bring this stuff with you. Because they didn't have anything to rely on. They they couldn't rely on themselves. They had to rely on one and only one thing. Or one and only one person. God. They had to fully rely on God in order to do what they have been called to do. You see, that too, my friends, is what you and I are called to do. Because we live in a world where not everybody wants to hear what Jesus has to say. They don't want to hear about how much Jesus impacts their lives and how much Jesus changes their lives. Because the message that maybe the church is putting out isn't one they're ready to hear. So you know what? God does God sends you God sends you out into the world God gives you the gifts and the talents God makes you the hands the feet the eyes the ears and the mouth so that people will hear they may not hear from me I may not have what it takes but maybe you do maybe you have the right way to say it maybe you have that right message that they need to hear, that'll change their lives. And so God sends you out. It's kind of a daunting task, isn't it? Because what do you have? I mean, I mean, people, that, well, I don't know enough. I don't have a degree in theology. I'm, I'm not a great public speaker. I don't really go to Sunday school all that much. And, you know, vacation Bible school only rolls around once a year. How am I going to do that? You, too, are asked... To fully rely on God. God will give you what you need. God will give you the words. God will give you the strength. God will give you the wisdom to change lives. And how do you remember that? I've already done this once. Here's how you remember it do it again, watch carefully. I've been working out. Fat boy did a jump. Fully rely on God. F-R-O-G. So every time you see a frog or a fat guy jumping, you remember, fully rely on God. You can do this, my friends. You are sent out as individuals, but also collectively. God gives us here at Pisgah the gifts, the talents, whatever that we need. We, it's easy to look at, at scarcity and say, oh, well, we don't have that, or we don't have this, or we don't have this. God will provide whatever we need because God sends us out. And in order to do what we're being called to do, we must fully rely on God. Go, live your freedom, and fully rely on God. Amen.